Good evening and welcome to the Death Cult, a eulogy for the death of motion pictures in podcast form. Uh, I'm your host, Adam Bolger, and tonight we will be discussing the 1997 John Cusack movie, Gross Point Blank, and I'm joined by uh, Alan Kaplan. Hello. Hi. Uh, how you doing, Alan? I'm doing well. How are you, Adam? I'm doing great, man. Yes, yeah, so that was all the formality stuff. Thank you. Uh, Very so- formal. <laughs> well, do you want to talk about yourself first of all and, and say who you are? Sure. My name is Alan Kaplan. Basically, I am Adam's political friend, and only in so far as I've spent the last 20 years or so of my life working in progressive movements, not partisan politics, so immigrant rights and voter rights. I'm originally a refugee from the Soviet Union. I came to the States when I was 12. So as a, as a Jewish refugee, I come to it honestly with an eye for justice. Uh, it's a lot of big words. Excuse <laughs> That's me. That's totally but, cool. You, you got your point over. You right. Know, I, this isn't fucking Terry Gross. Dude. Right. I've been I've been taught to tell the story of myself as part of my training here. So John Cusack in the movie. Right. Yeah. Gross Point Blank. One of my favorite movies ever. Yes. I finished watching it about a half an hour ago. I have a lot of thoughts. Like, mm-hmm. And I got to say, I didn't love it. I know this movie has a special place in your heart. Tell me why this movie resonates for you. Like I mentioned before, I was a refugee. I came to yeah. the States in 1989. By the time this movie came out, you know, I was in college. And so I'd been a fan of John Cusack's other movies. His, his first phase of fame, The Young... Right nerdy John Cusack pushed by his, you know, stage parents into, you know, acting through their school, whatever. Right. How deep you want to go? Is that that. true? Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, there were, his parents were, you know, acting teachers. Like they had a a thing that they did in Chicago and like him and his sister. And like, I was a fan of his earlier movies. The the one I remember is Better Off Dead. I think think that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, And then One Crazy Summer. Yeah. Which I think I've never seen, to be honest. Savage Steve Holland. Yeah. And it's funny. And Bob Gatt is in it. And, you know, then there's one where they, I think the one you were talking about, it was the one with the skiing, right? Better Off Dead. Right. So anyways, I I like those movies. And then Say Anything was a a really a good movie, you know? You know, Say Anything was, you know, I was just learning English and like girls and it was very romantic. And he's like this goofy guy for a girl. And I was like understanding it for the first time. And it's, you know, at at one point in the movie, she says that he, and, and I think this is important to understanding me, like, you know, he says, you know, I don't like when you ask him, well, what do you want to do with your life? And he goes, well, I don't want to sell anything, buy anything or process anything right, yeah. or buy anything, sell anything or process anything. And like that whole that whole cycle, it just makes so much sense to me. I'm like, I agree with that sentiment. You know, like I'm not like I'm not going to like end it with kickboxing. But like if there is any possible way that I could find to like live my life where I don't have to do those things, at least not as overtly as like straight up, right? Um, right, but it, it seems like gross point blank. There was this this the most sense. cynical possible answer to that. Yeah, that's, conundrum. That's ten years later. So you know, say anything yeah, takes yeah. place in high school. He gets the smart girl. You know, she yeah. mistakenly, like so many smart women, takes him with her when she goes to college. Obviously, the movie ends there, but then. I would think in real life that doesn't last very long. And yeah, so, yeah. you know, he's already kind of like a kickboxer. That's when he joins the army. You know? Yeah. And like the whole mini driver connection, I think in Gross Point Blank is irrelevant, like how he left her behind or whatever. Right. He just left her behind. And so when he comes back 10 years later, it's to me, it's a similar dude. But like you said, instead of just like, I love her, I'm just going to support her. He just loses it and it's gone. Um, and then he's cynical right. and like, I feel the same way. Like I, I went out there, I'm like, I'm going to not sell anything, not buy anything. And like, I spent a long time working politics in New York, you know, like even at the nonprofit level where I didn't have to do, um, you know, actual party stuff. Like I worked with unions and others and like, it's nasty stuff, you know, like I was doing things on, on the national level. And at one point, and you know, this too, like I come back and I was just fried, you know? At times I'd be yeah. on message. At times I'd just be like, whatever. Because like the only way to do it is to either be so cynical that you're just like Trump cynical 
Trump's crony cynical because I don't think he's that deep, right? It's that, or like you buy into it as much as you can in order to maintain it. But I definitely felt myself at times at a point of a crossroads like he does in this movie where he is, you know, a professional killer. He makes good money, you know, he does his jobs. He doesn't need to join a union to do it. You know, he's made it on his own. Uh, which is pretty funny. Like, I can go mm-hmm. on a little bit about the labor rights argument here. Like, it just seems like a plot contrivance. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know? I agree. I think uh, at least, like, filming yeah. and showing a meeting of the union, like uh, like a one- or two-minute scene where, you know, Dan Aykroyd is sitting there with the queens of the hotel hit, the stabbers, you know? Well, here's our benefits <laughs> package, you know? Like, something like that, like a quick aside to kind of give it a little bit more body was right. all needed, right? But the bad guy is the union. And it's like 1997, and it's like, unions were dying, and so, like, why do you make them the bad guys? Ah, oh, it's a plot of drivings. See, I, I, on this, I, I definitely see that point, of, absolutely. But I think on this watch, like, when I watched it yesterday... Also, like, I was kind of seeing Dan Aykroyd as, like, a character with pathos. He's, like, building something. His business is drying up because these little punks are just, like, shooting everyone that moves, you know? Like, and you can't set a standard for the market. And, like, you finally cobble together, like, a team of assassins from the Eastern Bloc, right? Like, these are crazy people. And, like, you got them together with this fucking dude. Like, this 28-year-old motherfucker from the Pacific Northwest is screwing it all up for him, you know? Like, he seems like right. the bad guy, but maybe he's not. He's really, because this is what I realized, and this is why I said, like, when I texted to you earlier, I'm like, I wasn't so into this movie. Uh, John Cusack seems just like a fucking yeah. monster. Yeah. And I hate him throughout he the sucks. fucking movie. He sucks. And it, it's it's about, like, him kind of being, like, so and disconnected from people, and, and he's a sociopath. completely fucked up. Like, yeah, he's, he's been so- killing people for 10 years. Like, imagine deciding to yeah, like kill doesn't... people and then going someplace and they're like, cool, we're going to teach you how to kill people. And then you go and kill people. That's crazy yeah. to me. That's in the movie and it's in the script. That's what people say. But it's also like there's all these fucking like bright colors. The whole movie pretty much like 90% of the movie mm-hmm. is like daylight. And like everything's like fucking green and, and it's like nice yep. suburbs and uh, like really bright, cheerful music. Like great yeah. music, by the Joe way. Joe Strummer, man. Yeah, the great, the great R.I.P. Yep. R.I.P. to the goat. It's all just like him picking out. Oh, I love that soundtrack. Yeah, um, I used to play that all the time. Yeah, absolutely. But it's also weird because it's a movie that came out in 1997, and it's all like the best music of the 80s. Why are you like so? You're nostalgic for shit that happened 10 years ago. Like this stuff is all like within your memory, and like new shit is happening mm-hmm. all around you. You know why are you? Just, there's cool shit in like 1997. Right, but like you know, it's that like, generation, that ge- generation right before ours. Right, it's like their 10 years. Right, the sort of mid, like yeah, late sixers, yeah. and so. Like, this is, like, their thing. And so, like, I always saw it, like, as, as that kind of their movie. The, the disenchanted sort of postcards from the edge. And, like, you know, like, and it's so, he mentions it when he's talking to the dad. Like, no, no, the other way, like. So he's a sociopath. He's a fucking monster. But the movie is not really that forthright about that. It's not that explicit about no. it, I feel. Like, it's, it's in the, the text. It's in, like, the fucking everything they say. But then it's, like, all these, like, bright colors and charismatic mm-hmm performance yeah he's just so charming yeah like he's charming he's like it's like that john cusack like right like he's not that young anymore like he disappeared for a few years then he popped up as this guy and then he became a romantic lead you know like for a while and now he's like this dissipated like shell of a man right um and yeah yeah yeah, he's a hollow man i guess the whole point of the movie but it's it's weird you have to work through the movie to get to and i think that's i think that's why it's a good performance on his part overall like if you're if you're seeing him as like this damaged ptsd assassin who is still really good at his job but like dude like every time he pulls the trigger it's just like fuck you know (laughs) like and and it's just like again into this shit and it's not like and and so he's like out basically in that in that headspace, and I think you see him play it like, and he's charming, and you're introduced to the character, you know, and he's interacting with his sister, and like that dynamic wasn't say anything, and other '80s movies, you know, and so that's familiar, and I and I think that familiarity beyond the performance is also kind of like, well, I'm familiar with liking John Cusack and sort of like rooting for him to be a, a good thing, right? And like you kind of slowly. 
start to like see like she's afraid of him and you're like haha that's funny well he's an assassin she should be and then like he's stalking his psychiatrist who like literally says like i am afraid of you like this is not like, like he's like a right, man yeah. who's literally like and it's alan arkin so it's like you know tongue in cheek but like if you listen yeah, to yeah, what yeah. he's actually saying it's like some serious stuff and you're like okay so the Oh yeah, yeah for sure. You're absolutely right. That was one of the, the things I really liked about the movie, actually. But I think that um, yes, that's all true. So you have like the what we know about John Cusack and like '80s John Cusack all of a sudden being in this like more like more sinister yeah, context. But the other the other super important thing is that this movie came in the wake of uh, Pulp right. Fiction, and so they even have like the cutout of Pulp Fiction in they the. Do. Um, the convenience store scene. And I was going to say, like, it might be one of the most zeitgeist capturing movies of the 90s because of that. There's so many movies that came out in the wake of Pulp Fiction that were, like, trying to catch that Pulp mm -hmm. Fiction vibe. And I think this is one of the few ones that really was like, well, this did something with the Pulp Fiction vibe that wasn't there that is interesting. Have Like, in the 90s, I think it was the only time that in, in filmmaking where you would have this kind of okay mm -hmm. morality with this with this killer. Like, it doesn't make sense now. Like, you'd have to have him be a lot more dark or a lot more backstory and you'd have to kind of have him be, like, a Walter White kind of figure. Like, you'd have to, like, paint him, like, really fucking right. complexly. Like, to and then the movie wouldn't like, work if you understand. did that. Like, it only, it only no, works because it's, not. like, attuned. Like, look, there's no truly good people in this movie. <laughs> I mean... Well, the girl's good. She's good. The girl's good except for when she accepts... Until she accepts him. She's yes, I guess so. But, like, you don't know why her marriage ends. I don't know why she's back home. Like, at the station, she's snide. Like, all the all the people, like... Yeah, it's like, it's like normal right, people. No, normal shit, people. You know, normal but, people like, no one is, it. like, painted as an angel. And maybe that's not true. Maybe she... Yeah, but she, there's, no, there's no moral ding on her, though. She seems okay. okay. You know, yeah, it's like... I mean, she, she does. Yeah. But, like, other than that, like, there's... The, the enemies, right, like, as you pointed out, are the guild. Like, they're doing a job because he's, like, not letting them create a guild that would make them financially stable for the first time in their lives, you know? Like, they're genuinely right, right. trying to, like, survive, and he's just killing them off one by one, like, while, like, bitching about how yeah, sad he is. Because he is... <laughs> right, yeah, he's thinking about how sad he is, but it's like, Alan Arkin is trying to alert him to the truth. He's like, you are an, an, an you have no animus. You you don't really have any soul. You're just like you're a clockwork man. You're not really a man. You're hollow, right. You and know? the and the real question here is too like if you consider that that one, like does he gain his soul through killing the rest of the guild and and his girlfriend? No, he absolutely house, does not. You know, and leaving with her. That that was my major issue with the movie, and I'm sorry to yeah, cut no, you off. No, no, I, yeah, I mean that's the that's the central question of this movie. I think that the movie wants us to think yes, he does. I think that the movie invites us to say yes, he has a change of heart and he's a changed man, and really wants us with all the cheerful music and the bright fucking scenery and whatever that he's a different guy. But it's like I found it impossible to come. I to agree. That conclusion. I I did too, and I and I'm not sure like. Like, he, he refers to nihilism, and, like, you know, like, I'm sure your prior guest could talk in more detail about other philosophical pieces of it, but, like, you know, like, he is... Um, right, and, like, perfect. so, yeah. I I love, like, you know, Camus is my favorite writer, like, I'm fully, uh, like, Nietzsche, like, so I'm fully... Jesus, that's grim. I'm way. fully yeah. in the existentialist understanding, right, like, of, like, I'm not, I don't see a higher morality that's dictated by whichever entity, whether conscious or subconscious or spiritual or God or whatever. See, that's interesting because my favorite, my favorite writer is uh, a little guy, a little author you might have heard of. Yeah, Jesus. I figured it was. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, I'm not sure. I have to think the gospel of Jesus is apocryphal, though. Like, you know. No, no, no. Okay. In, in, all, in all sincerity, I, I will say, like, one of my favorite writers, is, one of my favorite books is uh, The Plague right. by Kimu. And there is a fucking... There is a sense of morality in that that's really like super omnipresent, yes. you know, and that's like yeah, nothing yeah, 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 no yeah. morality. And no so that, I mean, that's been that's been an animating fucking important thing in my life actually is that book and that's idea. And there isn't like and that you know it's that we're collectively in this fucking world and we have you know even though it seems kind of fucking counterintuitive, we just it's the best. It's usually it's it's always the best yeah. choice. It's always the best choice. Well, to it's be moral. it's always the best choice to to 
realize that there's value in others beyond yourself. And, and I think right, yeah. whether or not he gains a soul during the murder spree at, at the house in, in, in Arbor, which is what the cops are going to fucking call this, that scene, right? Like, um, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. like he does realize that he... Well, anybody, the priest... Oh, I'm sorry. Fucking, yeah. Oh, no, go but on, go on. I'm sorry. I think he does realize that he cares for her beyond just, like, being obsessed with someone in your dreams and whatever that situation is. Like, he goes through all these intellectual games with himself. Like, you know, like, at one point, talking like, some people, like, you know, choose these this because the right is right or, like, for the power of the money or whatever it is. And then, like, and then he describes basically what burnout is which is you know but then you learn to like it and right, you yeah. just follow the motions and you feel like you like the motions and like i can absolutely relate to that man like i like again like campaign cycles are six months i just ran through like three and a half years and barely held it together and i've been doing this a long time mm. and like i can't even like talk about like after 2008 like I mean, it took me a while to to feel human, and I think that's the that's like the the nuance. And I think if you're looking for a larger moral lesson, I think what I like about the movie is that it continuously denies it to you. <laughs> like it's it's. <laughs> well, I, 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 but I don't think it does that. I don't think it does it consciously. I think it does it because of it, it's not super well done. Maybe like I mean, look, there's a lot of stuff left stringing, like with the psychiatrist too. And like, like with, with the wrestlers, weird stoner wrestlers, with the security dude that shows up on the lawn, like with, with Jeremy Piven. Oh, yeah. you know, like, it doesn't tie it up that they just like, Jeremy say hello Piven, to each other. Jeremy Piven actually gives a career best performance. Yeah, you know, like, movie. I mean, he has to because John Cusack's carried of the whole career, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. John Cusack's, movie, but no, I get sure. it. But, I thought Jeremy um, Piven was great. Like, I no, but the scene where, all right, because this is what I this is what I feel the movie is about. All right, so I feel like it's about this is and this is the way I related to it. I feel like there's when you're on, in a lot of stress, there are times you're gonna have like a manic episode and you're gonna feel like you're really fucking lucid, you know, and so you're gonna kind of be like really, and and a lot of your inhibitions kind of fall and you get like really like kind of like weirdly social especially if like you're not like mm -hmm. naturally social you know and so you know so you get so stressed out that you kind of like flip a switch and you you know you feel like okay i just like i'm i'm everything seems surreal to me right now and i'm just going to be in this situation and i'm going to kind of deal with it as this unreality thing and i'm going to kind of like tell people this truth you know, but it they're not going to, the way I'm going to say it is going to, they're not going to accept it because, you know, and, and that's what he does over and over in the movies. Like, you know, I'm an assassin. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And nobody really thinks that he's joking until he actually fucking right. kills people. I mean, nobody thinks he's telling the truth he kills people. Yeah. And, and I, and I'm like, yeah, I've been in those that, you know, I've been like in like stressful situations where I became lucid and manic and then like I got weird and it seemed like so fucking real to me in that moment. But then, like, you know, when I actually got some sleep a couple of days later, you know, I, I, I pull back and I'm like, oh, oh, oh yeah, everything I was saying yeah. is fucking you're bullshit. Probably, I'm like, you're lucky if you didn't cause damage in that state. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah. But this movie was kind of wants to, the argument in this movie seems to be like, this is the best state yeah. for this guy. Which maybe is true, because, like, otherwise he is a... Um, He's this hollow, awful uh, automaton killing machine guy and, you know, with no soul. But then he kind of has this, like, manic, lucid thing where he's yeah, kind of trying to connect, but still can't. No, no, I, I think so. That, that's my, that's that, true. That's and like, I think, like, you know, also, like, things conspire. Like, like she, like, like his sister actually says, like, things are conspiring for you. Like, you have to go to Michigan and you have to do this, you know? And, like, so he kind of in that yeah. state doesn't have a choice but be there for me the interesting thing and this is what connects it to the other john cusack movies is that he actually fall in that state instead of just like acting disassociated and like going through the motions he actively falls in love with this girl again with Minnie driver's character and like i think that's what it is yeah but i think, but I think there's 
the way I, I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe he falls. I mean, that's what this, that's what the movie wants us to believe. But I'm like, also like, again, I've been in a manic state before and you feel that's a lot true. of fucking that's stuff. That's true. I definitely feel you. I mean, we've, we've all done our share of things that are dissociative in nature. And so, um, I'm not, yeah, I'm not even talking about like drugs and they stuff. help with that though. You know, like, whatever. I mean, you, know, you can't deny that. Yeah, no, I think that's related, but also it's just like if you're just yeah, under a lot no, of stress. Absolutely. If you're under like, because I'm watching this fucking movie during yeah. during a pandemic, you know, and I, you know, we're during a pandemic, and lately I've been having the way that my pandemic has been fucking affect, affecting me is I've been having trouble sleeping, you know, and and that's been like just fucking mm-hmm. with me, you know. It's like okay, like why can't I just feel comfortable in my own fucking body, you know? And so it's like why. So I'm watching this movie about like a guy that I feel like he's having like his manic episode and he's trying to like transcend his, you know, depressive general state of whatever. And I'm like, all right, no, I get that. You know, and I'm watching this cause I'm kind of in this de- more on the depressive end of the fucking spectrum. And I'm watching this, on this manic end of the spectrum. I'm like, maybe what you're feeling right now isn't really, sh- isn't real. Yeah, I think I think that 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 makes sense. I think I think that that's <laughs> so. The music, I think that's when the music works because I think that the the music is really good, and I think that it's the music used is really, really well. enjoyable, it's, but it doesn't work at all with, huh? with the movie, it's, with one exception. The scene with Guns and Roses. No, that's yeah. I was I was laughing that was at that. <laughs> that's actually one of my least favorite. Oh, I know. I, I mean, like the song is. Like, yeah. did, you, like, did you notice the switch to the music at the exact same moment? That was very funny. That was like the best actual like cinema like filmmaking moment in the whole movie. <laughs> when they switch from the Guns and Roses version to the music version, yep, when you walk, yep. in the that's what you know. You're like in like the funny. spaghetti incident time already. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the two I laughed twice during the movie. The first was when he goes into the recording studio, the 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 radio studio and he's like and they have that that high energy, high wire like super anxiety mm-hmm. meeting where he's like and she's like, "Oh no, we shake hands." And he's like, "Hi, how are you?" And then like they just like look at each other and I'm like, you know, and like they want to kiss so bad. I, I just wish they mm-hmm. and then they kiss. I laughed so hard at that, and then I laughed. I laughed at the, um, at the, uh, the, 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 the yeah. and Roses thing, and the the other the line. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. Like I, this movie's so fucking overwritten, mm-hmm. and it felt just like a like people reading Martin Blank. Me. I mean, like it's tough it, to get over the name alone. <laughs> Such a hacky name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, everything like the. Like there, there are a couple. There are a couple of things that like that 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 cut to the that cut to the uh, the center of my heart. A couple of things, you know. So I, I can't discount the movie entirely. Like when he does the fucking when he's doing the ride along with Jeremy Piven, he said, "I always thought of myself as a temporary person." <laughs> that was a great scene. Yep. Oh, and everybody looks at him like a house like this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and he's trying to just be like, and he, he's trying to be a simulacrum of a uh, of a normal person. You know, he's trying to like imitate normal behavior, and he can't. And and that's so powerful to me. It was just like, and it was it was powerful and heartbreaking. You right, because he's like, still communicating. And, and that, right? like the worst thing you could be in that state is quiet, right? Like because when you're communicating, like you're engaging, right. and like, and you're at least like saying something, even if it is about your temporary state and awareness. It's when you stop talking and kind of like get quiet and murdery. I think it, in that state, mm-hmm. like that's the issue. And so, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's a real druggy thing too. It's like you know when you've been standing quiet and so yeah. you get a bunch yeah. of stuff. Yeah, you're like, you're okay, buddy. <laughs> like, all right. Hold on, I'm gonna interject. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna interject with some <laughs> wisdom. I've been thinking about. For the last ten minutes or whatever, yeah, yes, yeah, that you know, that for sure is true. But it's also like because like it's right after um like Jeremy Piven vibes mm. with them. He's in this like manic fugue thing, and like Jeremy Piven fucking vibes with them, and he's in, like in a similar 
manic mm-hmm. fugue thing. And the movie seems to think that it's about like, you know, like, you know, society is pre nine. It's a oh, pre nine 11 movie. It's so like right on the cusp of nine 11. And it's sort of like all these shitty little fucking petty so problems. And like the and world is about, all about like, money. Like, I mean, I remember like the protest movement of the time was like a year later was that WTO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was the big thing, you know? Yeah. 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 And it's very interesting too, because he, he's also, he complains about people not yeah, driving. No American one buys cars, American he's In Detroit, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. <that's, laughs> yeah. And then yet you're, you're anti-union and it's sort of like, that's, that's that kind of derangement now of like the fucking, like, uh, the QAnon fucking shaman where he's like, you know, he's like, oh no. And he says all these like real conspiracy shit. He's like, oh yeah, paperclip, Operation Paperclip. He's like fucking, you know, MK Ultra, And it's, you know, blah, 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 you know, globalization. And then he's like, but fuck communism. We can't have communism. Right. You know, it's like the same vibe. It's like we, we can't actually have like things that would affect our material day-to-day stuff. And, but we understand that like things are getting worse every yeah. day. You know, but we can't actually... But we can't actually have like something that might point to a solution. Right. And um, it can't be a communal so he, uh, solution for sure, right? Because because rugged individuals no. like this exist, and so they will eventually screw it up if we apply it to everyone. That's why I think like the narco syndicalist model is is good. It's sort of like communism, but with like exclusion. Like, sorry, you're not in our syndicate. Like, get out. <laughs> you know, like I mean, honestly, like I, that's what I love about Chomsky too, because like. He, he points a finger a lot, but like when you ask him for like what his system is, that's his system. It's like basically I do whatever I want. I unite with you when I want. Um, we share equally when we unite and then we leave each other alone. Cool. All right. Um, and so like there yeah, is, and like with Chomsky, you know that there's an element of still uniting, but like, I mean, he is playing that role. And then maybe he realizes that even if he loves just that one person, you know, maybe he shouldn't destroy the world. I mean, he shuts the business down, right? Um, right, yeah. Well, he shuts the business down, and it's very interesting because it's like, I, I did not get, um, I, I think it's a failure of the movie because it's a great performance, but it's a failure of the screenplay is um, Joan Cusack's mm-hmm. character. Because she, like, her motivation throughout the whole thing is like trying to track it. I'm like, it makes no sense. Because at first, she's like kind of sentimental about John Cusack. Like, no, you should go to your high school graduation. Then it's like, well, you're not being professional enough. And then, like, you know, it's like, no, I have this weird actorly scene about fucking um, mm-hmm. buying bullets, but also doing making soup. And then, and then there's like this thing like, oh, no, I'm so joyful in destroying this business and I want to get rid of this. It, it, Scene by scene, it doesn't make a bit I mean, of sense. You know? Yes and no. And like so I think it, that there's a PTSD aspect to it. I mean, like I, I guess, like I grew up in somewhat of an abusive household, and I think. Oh come I on, know, man! man. That's, 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 that's how, how I was reading it. I'm, it's like she's just like a poorly look, written, like, poorly office drone. Like, the way she was acting it, her reaction was sort of on edge and taking it out on others. You know, like after. All that, but maybe not. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. It was poorly written. I don't know. There's definitely like a lot of dangling stuff that annoyed the hell out of me. But like, I've yeah. I mean, I think that the biggest thing was like the so he meets the rent a cop guy at you know outside of the house. You know, right after the best scene in the movie, or one of the two best scenes in the movie, he meets the rent a cop guy, and then it was a really interesting scene because I thought it was, but I also thought it was set up as a setup. You know. I thought it was a setup for something that's going to happen later where he's like, so tell me about when you're allowed to use lethal force and then whatever, the bullshit. Right, and he had the gun at the prom or at the the reunion and then that ended up going nowhere, right? And it went nowhere and also I was like, well, because I I thought like maybe this is a really smart scene and it's like this is a professional assassin trying to collect information he's going to use later (laughs) in something. But it, it goes nowhere and instead it's just like him judging this guy for being able to kill people but the, like the movie is forgetting that he kills people all the time right but it also could be like you said like it could be like that at that point he's scoping out a potential assassination right like he hasn't even opened the envelope at this point we're assuming that he's like gonna go kill somebody in this area so maybe he's just like so what are the rules here like like sh- 
should I worry about killing the rent a cop or just like tying them up? You know, like, and if they have like deadly force, right? Maybe. If it, right, but if it was like a super yeah. tight screenplay, if it was like, a, like you know, like there's certain movies where you see like all like A goes to B and fucking C goes to D, you know, they're like things where everything like just like is set up and then I get all right. I mean, like, off. do you think it was written not a, well, written and cut poorly, or do you think it was just no dangling writing? I think it was shitty writing, to be honest. I think it's like, even if the, like, it bothered me, the writing yeah. bothered me. The writing bothered me because I, like, uh, I was watching it because I'm a writer or whatever, and I can kind of be attuned to these fucking things. But I was like, the dialogue seems really fucking written. It, it doesn't seem natural at all. And it doesn't seem like written in a way that I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like, there, every once in a while, there's a great line. Like the, like the, the one that I, the best, the best in exchange in the whole fucking movie is, um, well, technically, sir, that's not. Yeah, that was great. I'm not here for some. I just want yeah. the protein. That's the best fucking line. That's the best two oh, lines. Oh, him and Ackroyd, I thought were fantastic together in both of their scenes. Like, I, I thought that I thought they, I, I would have uh, liked to see those scenes longer. You know, like I would have liked to see them play I, those out more. Like I think they were. I thought that Ackroyd is is crazy, right? I don't know if you've ever seen his like conspiracy video stuff. Like it's, and he was already at that. Like no. he's already like heading in that direction. Like he is like out there, like spaceship. Oh yeah, well no, he's like a big like alien yeah, guy, but also conspiracy. Right? It was always like his thing. You know, like even like his character, but, like. Like cool conspiracies, like not like no, no, them, like right? uh, Robert Robert Anton Wilson, you know, like like that level, like like the stuff that. Right, right, right. Oh, do you know do you know who John Keel John is? By Keel? the way, why is that familiar? John Keel, he he wrote uh, the Mothman. Okay, prophecies. I know that Mothman prophecies. Okay. Oh, it's so good. All right, all right. we're no, not no, but I'm, I'm, you know, I like love I love it. all yeah. kinds of conspiracies, like. Uh, I'm so yeah, yeah, yeah. The old you know, ones, like QAnon yeah. is just dumb. Like again, I it's dumb. I know, like, I, I, know. I'm, I get bored by it. Like I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, it it sucks. It sucks because it's sort of like I I I feel like conspiracy theories were so fucking fun until nine eleven, <laughs> and then everything right. went to shit. The conspiracy theories, yeah, and then it's you know up until then it was like all like. Area 51 and fucking like, you know, um, uh, the intelligence agencies that have um, psychic powers versus the ones that are in league with Nazis. Right. And like I'm throwing you know, some truth like in that. there. Like, yeah, yeah, we brought Nazis. And then there's like actual like, you know, Vatican <laughs> conspiracies, like the Godfather 3 stuff, you know, like, and like that. that's more yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Than the, did the mob try to kill the Pope? That's much more interesting to me than like, what, pizza, pedophiles, fuck off. Like, <laughs> like get out of here like and like right, yeah, secret messages yeah. for you like i just spoke to you for five minutes and i'm not sure how secret that message would have to be for you to like spot it like you know right, like right, fuck. Right. um well i feel like the, i've said this on the record but i feel like the like, pizza gate and a lot of like the QAnon pedophile stuff it's like a way to it's a weird way to process fucking jeffrey epstein which is like a document of yeah. truth and that's a hard a hard truth to fucking right, process. But like, you should, why you don't know? you associate yeah. it with his actual friend, Donald Trump? And why do you push it to the Democrats? Or his actual fucking friend, right. Bill Clinton. Well, yeah, plenty of them, but also Donald Trump. Or his actual friend, Bill... It's, I mean, it goes across the board, man. You can't just, like, blame him. No, no, no. It's Jeffrey fucking F um, uh, Richardson. Bill Richardson was a huge fucking... Uh, 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 Epstein guy. Like, you know, I mean, it goes across Jeffrey the board. Epstein. Like, you can't just that's do. not my game. No, no, that's no, no. I want you no. to do like, it. Do I it. Agree that it's it's less hard. I didn't come here to bad Definitely <laughs> took it into the fucking American patriot anti-Semitic, fucking burn them all. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the the feverish fucked up thing about it. I don't know if you listened to my last podcast because nobody. Fucking did, and it was. But it, I, it was I, I heard it was twenty minutes of James, and then I have the rest of them lined. Oh up. no, no, I did it. The the whole like fucking um Dark Crystal one because I get they have a conspiracy about like how the Dark Crystal movie, the Jim Henson movie, is like a, a Q and really? um psyop or 
Yeah. See, yeah, this is brings what brings us back to Campbell, right? Like this is what the fucker did. Like because every movie is set yeah. up as a hero quest, you can absolutely add any conspiracy into it because nebulous dark forces can be anything you want, right? And so I think yeah, for this one, what yeah. I like is that at no point is he a community hero, which is what a Campbell hero is, right? Like he goes he fights and he does all this thing for his glory, but also to like save his village or his country or to become king or whatever. And in this movie, he just kind of floats through, kills a bunch of people, doesn't help anybody really, and then takes this woman away from her comfortable life where she won't have to like run from hitmen for the rest of her life. You know, like, and that's the hero yeah. quest here. He accomplished what he set out to do. You know, he got the girl. You know? I, th- I think it was like, you know, in this movie was fucking, well, there, there are two things, because we've, we've been talking oh, for like over it. an hour now. Always happens, you know that. Yeah. I know, I, but I'm afraid that, like, I talked to fucking, Fo- to Jeff Foy uh, yesterday for two hours oh, about God. Star Wars, and the recording Uh-oh. got fucked. And so I, I want to kind of, like, cancel, I want to, like, okay. call it. In about five minutes, so that way, like this will not get. That's fucked. fine. If that's all right. No. All right. Cool. I, I don't oh, want no, any feelings no. get fine. I've enjoyed the conversation. You know, uh, I'm good. Cool. All right. All right. So, um, uh, where was that? Summing up. You know, where where do you stand? Like you didn't like it, and the main reason you didn't like it was. I liked it. Okay. I mean, I I, I mean the thing I the thing I liked about it. There are a couple of moments that like were so true to me, like two or three things I really jumped out at it. But I think like it was like the screenwriter who wanted to express these a couple of truths about his life and like kind of feeling a little bit alienated from just being a regular dude and, you know, like, like not being like a, a car salesman or whatever. Um, and he around the time he wrote it, that he did this like fucking, um, the big thing was Pulp Fiction. So every, every script that got sold was Pulp Fiction, you know? So and he has like an assassin and all this stuff. So all the assassin and all that stuff, that doesn't work for me. But all the stuff about like him struggling, this character struggling with modernity and just like kind of normalcy, but also being like this manic fugue state and trying that all worked for me for the most part. But then also he tried to make it into a Hollywood thing that worked. So he would be the main character, be alive at the end and like get the girl at the end. Like, I kind of feel like the movie, I feel like the, in a perfect world in a perfect version of this movie, the last time you would see um, uh mini drivers character in this movie is the first time you see her. In the <laughs> studio. You know what um. I mean? Like that would be because that, that makes sense if he just like went in there and he was like talking to her and she's like this radio DJ and he talks to her and it doesn't really work out. Then he leaves and he's like, I'm all on edge, I'm all on edge. Okay, all right. And then she's like, Don't talk to me ever again. If she is like that thing, like, you don't you get it? You can't have me uh-uh. at that point. That makes a lot of sense to me. Whereas the because re- she has to accept him later for the movie to have like mo- movie movie mm-hmm. logic sense you know but but then like in the sense of a real real word real world morality and and processing of stuff like if 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 somebody like if i was really into some like beautiful girl and you know I'm, right so I'm, I'm well two things number one I don't think anybody would be really hung up on somebody who stood them up on their prom. I think they just like move on with their fucking lives and not be there. You know, you have to be a really fucking damaged person to really hang on to that for right. years. You know, I think everybody has to be like, yeah, it was a funny fucking thing. It's like, oh yeah, my prom, whatever. I don't remember my prom or whatever, you know, <laughs> who gives a shit about that? You know, I don't even remember my high school reunion. No. I didn't go to it. It nope. wasn't important to me. Yeah, I don't think it's important to anybody. It's important to some people. Contrivance, I guess, but you know, it's a contrivance of you know, it seems fictional and seems fake. And then you know, the last thing is like, so then she accepts him as being a killer, and like the worst thing is that she catches him in like this, like the the most 
graphic scene in the whole fucking movie is like he With kills the, frying the, pan. the assassin. <laughs> That when he's beating the dude, no, with what? the pen. Oh, with the pen, yeah. Oh, yeah. The pen, and she finds like him with the blood and on he him. Just and like stuff. refuses to take responsibility. <laughs> well, he's like, no, he says again, like, right. this isn't me. And it's like, well, well of course, no, yeah, but like, he, course, that's what he says to her, right? Like, he doesn't like hang his head and shit. He says he's like, it's yeah. not me, you know. Like, this guy's coming to kill me, you know. Like, and to him, that's true, but it's still yeah. him, right? Like, and. I don't know if he can say anything at that point to save it, but there's nothing. I, I, no, you can't save it except by, you know, saving the life of your father and her life from a mob of other assassins and thereby. Right. Which comes from there, but it's like at that point, like imagine if that was real. Like imagine if you read like a a New York Times story. Yeah. Killer remains at large with hostage is sort of the headline here, you know? Yeah, yeah. Everybody's sort of like, so she found him with a bloody shirt after stabbing this man to death at the pen right. in high school. They didn't find oh, the body wow. though. It's cool. Then, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing. And so the the crematoriums aren't in fucking like high schools. You, know? you never know. I mean, did you go to high school in Gross Point? I don't know. It seems fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I can accept the unreality. Of really, it. it's like, another, but it seemed like another plot contrivance. Like after, like that major plot contrivance. I'm just. Early. I do, you know and like I, mean? I think that that's like supposed to be sort of a, an attempt at a bonding moment with his friend, who finally realizes who this is, right? And then no longer wants anything right. to really and, do and, with and, him, and, and like it's it's a confirmation of everything that he thought about himself, but like didn't want to see, right? And so. Right, but he goes along with it, which is crazy. Like he, you know, he helps yeah. him out. Like it's a zany, and then he's gonna go back to his life. He's not interested in like continuing a relationship, which is a big shift from where it was before. Then you know, um, I, right? Yeah, and yeah, he's not interested. He's not interested in continuing the relationship, but he's also like he orders a whiskey, and then fucking John Cusack. Orders, yeah, what a like, dick, right? Soda. Like, <laughs> like fuck you. <laughs> Well, John Cusack gets to be like cool because he gets, you know, the other guy, oh, he needs to have his alcoholic beverage or whatever. And he gets to be like a fucking. Right, alcoholic. exactly. Oh, no, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, it's a dick move. Like, just have the fucking whiskey, too. Like, it doesn't matter if it's water or whiskey. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know? Don't, yeah, have a whiskey. You don't even have to yeah, drink don't it. Don't show the guy like, off. Like, let him, like, fucking process what the fuck just happened instead of, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy did you the favor of. He did the great. He did you the greatest favor exactly. of his lifetime. Exactly. You just brought yeah, your garbage yeah. into this man's life, and then you made him feel like an asshole for like not being cool enough to have a water. Fuck you. Like honestly. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> it's like yeah, don't big right. time him now. Like don't like stand above him. Yeah, this is the worst thing he yeah. ever yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I, I don't. I, I don't think that the movie really really gives the proper weight to how much of a fucking monster John Cusack's character is. That's and then gets essentially yeah, what bothers he gets me. Away with it. He That's why I say you the price. Link he doesn't pay any price. Really. No, no. That's why I say the link to um the director of that movie of, of Gross Point Blank. The movie he made right before this was fucking mm-hmm. Miami Blues, which was with um Alex Baldwin. And <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy how good looking <laughs> Alec Baldwin how young and hot I got Alec Baldwin is. <laughs> yeah, it's all unfair. It's totally unfair. And he look yeah, he looks like he could be like fucking singing and fucking I don't know, like who's the yeah. new band, you know? Whoever is like the newest band. Like he'd be like he could be future. Like he's fucking future, you know? Um and uh yeah, his hair is fucking on point and whatever, he's so handsome and whatever. But also it's like a great performance, but also it's like you hate him the whole time because you realize that he's a liar yeah. associate. It's a good role for Alec Baldwin. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like perfect. Yeah. Cause you know, cause he sucks and he, he fucking just like is and also his wife is a whole fucking like why bother years. with that shit? Whole, like, why would you lie about it? I had no idea. I didn't even know he was fucking he got married again. When I saw that, I'm like, oh that's a, and also I was like uh, I was like, so some lady I mean, hilarious, whatever. Hilarious. Yeah, I mean, she's a yoga instructor. I mean, like, you kind of build the whole relationship 
like from like knowing who she is, the age difference, and who Alec Baldwin is, right? And then you're not surprised that like <laughs> no, she's no, lying about being Latina, something that matters not at all to Hilaria Baldwin. Who cares if she's a Latina, right? Like, I know, but it doesn't matter at all to you. It's great no, to judge yeah, her, on obviously, that. because we have to. And, you know, and I think that this. No, we don't. Have no, we don't have to, but it's nice to. <laughs> no, I think. I think like that. That's the sort of the part that this movie could have done better. Like, I think the high school reunion part, like where they're just like moving from person to person and just kind of highlighting like a quick thing, but like not giving anyone like any humanity, right? Like the jock who cries and reads. Oh, no, yeah, that was one thing. I. That was the other thing that would have made this movie a hundred times better when the guy pulls out the cocaine guy pulls out uh-huh. his like fucking paper. These are my like, words. Are great. words. <laughs> well, no, it was great, and I'm like, well, tell me all the words. Like, let's just like stand yeah. here and stop the movie for a minute and give him a whole time to read all this fucking thing, and maybe like, and and in a really good movie, in a fucking perfect, great movie, it would be like, all right, no, this guy's an asshole, this is bullshit, and this is embarrassing, whatever. And then he would hit, like, one little thing that would mm-hmm. tug at you. You know, and that would be yeah. enough. And we would spend that time, and it would be beautiful. But it's sort of like, no, because John Cusack has contempt for this character, and the movie has contempt for this character, and it's like... It'd be better if it didn't. Yeah. You know? Look, I mean, I think that it works because of all the pieces that kind of jumble together in the movie. Like, I, the music is great. The, the the story flows quickly. Like, if you are, like, I mean, once once you start realizing the moral implications and the darkness of it, I mean, it's usually it's already pretty close to the end, and then it kind of wraps up neatly, right? I mean, not everyone is gonna not. Oh, I was I was like into the. <laughs> I was like hung up on the moral implications within like the first ten minutes. Yeah, of this movie, I mean, to be honest, I get it, and I, I I've seen it a lot, so like I feel like this last time was true. No, but sure. I think I think it's like I was watching it not right. in the nineties. Like it doesn't. It's a nineties fucking movie, yeah. you know, and it doesn't like so in the nineties. It all makes sense, and it all like you don't think about it too much, like in the wake of fucking Pulp Fiction, and that's why this is like the ultimate nineties movie in a way because it doesn't. It wouldn't have worked in the eighties. It wouldn't have worked in. It would have worked in the two thousands. Doesn't work super I mean, now. It, I tried watching more. more Ink, and it was terrible. And like, it takes itself very seriously. It does seem like it's like yeah. it's during Iraq War. So the the social commentary in public from all these actors um, is is pretty, you know, loud. And there's one. There's one pretty good joke in that movie, which is like the the thing about like showing. Reporters, the virtual Iraq yeah. War experience. And like, yeah, that's kind of good, but it's also like it's not enough to hang on. No, no, and like they're on. they're just like going through the motions, and like they're darker, and like like the implications yeah. have been weighing on them, and like it just you know it doesn't work. And so like here, like you feel it, you because yeah. he's just it's just hitting him, right? Like, and so we're seeing the character just kind of work through the implications of it, and just be kind of shocked at himself and then all of a sudden in this thing with a woman and you know the full implications of what he's done with his life until he quit and i'm assuming you know married her and some in and went somewhere um or something uh then he's gonna spend his time just i mean like like the logical thing for this shit what well i think the logical thing like honestly is like once he realized the horror of all of his you know, his life and all his actions. Like he's got okay. So I meet this woman and I have this like thing, and I realize like what, and I and I looked at this baby's face for mm-hmm. a couple minutes. Why well, he has to like go off and fucking kill himself? Well, I mean, as an existentialist, I again will say, as Camus puts it, <laughs> that's a pussy move, man. <laughs> you gotta have the guts to live now, like with all the shit that you've done, with full awareness. Um, if he truly wants to be an existentialist. Camus wrote the play, right? I'm not wrong in saying that Camus wrote the play. Yeah, he wrote right? the plague, the rebel, myth of Sisyphus. You know. Um... All right, who wrote? Who wrote fucking? Um, I who wrote also, the stranger? Camus. Camus. Yeah. Camus wrote the stranger. All right. Yeah. Well, that's a whole. I guess a whole book about fucking like somebody has somebody like this guy, yes. but who 
I, I just disassociated just product of this time who murders somebody and doesn't realize really. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody just doesn't, you know, not really thinking about it, not really feeling no compassion for his fellow human beings. And then just sort of gets bored in a, in a sequence of um, mm-hmm. mundane circumstances. Kill somebody. Like that's the yep. plot of that book, right? Yeah, and then never really feels too much remorse. No, but he it. does get punished for it. <laughs> right, he's punished for it. Then the, you know he's like, "Well, why? Sh- I'm confused." And you know, and he can but he's it's kind of compelling. As well, Camus is compelling because right now, his so. entire point is like, you can be as like disassociated as you want, right? And but you still have yeah, yeah. to deal with the fact that like you know you live in this world where. Your actions have meaning, and the and they, yeah. and you have to fully carry that meaning if you want to live for real. Otherwise, you're just yeah. no animals, right? Like you have to accept the fact that you know that you're an assassin that killed a lot of people and move forward. You can't just kill yourself because that's <laughs> like giving up, and like that's not why we're here. <laughs> it's not about fairness, right? And and yes, you still always have the right to kill right. yourself, which is what I love about existentialism. Is an, unlike a lot of sort of moral philosophy, it doesn't say like you absolutely do not have the right. Like you always have the power to kill yourself. That's the ultimate choice of you know a godless world. Right. So right. choosing not to is why it's important to continue. And so <laughs> I think he's walking away understanding I- himself at the end in a, in an existentialist moment. And it's not going to last right, right. because we can't last in that level of understanding. It's like a, it's like being at the peak of an acid trip, you know, like your whole time, like that level of intensity of under of seeing yourself as a horrible being. Like we can't exist like that. We create structures that allow us to continue, and time and time makes it right, more right, acceptable, right? right? <laughs> I don't want to say anything else. I want to stop right there. <laughs>